Live from the Coachella Valley, time for another hour of the desert scene, art exhibitions to modernism, music festivals to live theater, big screen, little screen, and very little screen. This is the Culture Corner with Bonnie Gilgallen and Brian Mendoza. Here's Bonnie and Brian on iHub Radio. And good Saturday morning to you and welcome to the Culture Corner, our new two-hour version. I'm here with Brian Mendoza, my co-host. He's fabulous. Uh, <laughs> he previously hosted Flicks and Picks, and now we've joined forces. So now we do theater and music and film and all kinds of stuff. But since the show is called The Culture Corner, we also sometimes talk about um, what's going on in the world. And God knows there's a lot going on in the world right now. Of course, the b- big news in the last 24 hours has been the very sad passing of Ruth Bader Ginsburg um, from the U.S. Supreme Court, and everyone was hoping that, I know she was hoping to hang on, hang on, hang on till past the election. She's dealt with cancer, many health issues, um, but she didn't quite make it. And of course now, um, in addition to mourning her and her legacy, everyone's really up in arms about what's going to happen with the Supreme Court. And of course, you know, the Republicans back in 2016 when Scalia died in February, February, nine months before the election. McConnell said, nope, 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 nope. We're not going to prove anybody. We're going to hold the seat open for nine months. Forget it. We're not doing it. It's election year. But, of course, now it's 45 days. And, of course, they're totally switched gears. Totally. 100%. You know, it's one of those, it's going to be a very contentious time before the election. It's already difficult. This is another thing that's going to be further divisive. Yep. And it's almost sad because you want to mourn this woman's legacy. You want to actually sit there and talk about her accomplishments take a moment yeah yeah sit and actually relax and you know have these uh, have these wonderful conversations about how her legacy how she fought so much against discrimination of the sexes watch a couple movies documentaries read her books memoirs Mm -hmm. all the typical stuff you do when someone dies all this wonderful stuff right and and then it just turns out that there's unfortunately a very politicized element to her death and I don't think it's I think it's really sad because when someone dies right when when someone dies there is a real it feels like it should unify people mm-hmm. when someone as like lo- important, as important to this as, country yeah and heck even I'm trying to think pretty recently of a death but like George Bush's death or John McCain or even John Lewis um, Elijah Cummings have been a lot of folks you know no definitely those folks right there they their deaths weren't super politicized because they were away from politics Mm -hmm. but this the her death just means a lot of things and a lot of things to process and the fact that a lot of people in the Senate I'm just gonna say a lot of Republicans they really want to take advantage of this and I and I think that if it was a Let's just say if it was a conservative judge with a Democratic Senate, like, mm-hmm. hmm, I wonder when did that happen? You know, back yeah. in 2016. Yeah. They uh, they definitely were on the side of let's be respectful. Let's let things pass. Let the let's not have the person who may or may not get elected decide our our future because the Supreme Court justices they are important. People forget decades. That. They're on. They're, they stay. Many stay for decades and and change our laws and our policy and it's important i think it's and the sad thing is that there's a lot of uh, ruth bader ginsburg was someone who helped upheld women's rights and upheld lgbt rights and all that and for us the thing would be that we lost a real 
hero in that sense. Mm-hmm. We lost someone who actually invested time in that. Now, of course, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, you know, let's not whitewash her history. She's had some controversial moments like with the Colin Kaepernick moment. But, you know, this is about, you know, the greater person. Mm-hmm. I like to say like that what the person actually accomplished over the years. As a whole. As, as a, a whole. whole. Uh, well, I was impressed. I don't know if you saw it because I was watching, you know, MSNBC and Rachel Maddow and all that. The huge crowd that gathered outside the Supreme Court last night with candles. I mean, that's pretty unusual to have a huge crowd just spontaneously show up at the Supreme Court when a justice dies. I mean, that just shows you how beloved and well and popular she was. No, definitely. And I would say, too, is that with Ruth Bader Ginsburg is that she became such a powerful figure over the last couple of years because of this famous meme called the notorious rbg and she loved it she thought it was funny she really got a kick out of it you know which i I think is great i think her best i think she said the difference between her the thing her and notorious big had was that i think they were both raised in boston or something like that i don't know could be yeah and it was something like that and i thought it was like the funniest thing and it and she held on she really she, I know, and I know she wants, and the, th- the other thing that's so disgusting about Mitch McConnell's statement they came out with, she dictated a note to her granddaughter like two days before she died, and all it said was, my most fervent wish is that I not be replaced until after a new president is installed. She asked for that on her deathbed, and they can't even respect that, and it's, I think it's really sad and disgusting. <laughs> you know, I laugh because it's so shocking, because it's because you would think that you would think people would be human enough to realize, okay, we got to respect this woman Mm -hmm. who's been on the Senate the longest of all of us and have an actual, honestly thoughtful conversation about how to proceed. Mm -hmm. Should we let the American public decide who will be the next Supreme court justice? But it, it becomes a thing where they politicized it. And unfortunately that's the world we live in sometimes is that they will politicize things that should be unifying instead of divisive. I, I would like to, and I'm hoping some brave reporter will, you know, corner Mitch McConnell in the hall or something next week and say to his face, why in 2016 was it important to have the, let the American people have their say and vote for the president? And it's not now. I would love for some reporter to get in his face with a microphone and see what he says. What is he going to say? Well, it's not, well, things are different. It's not, uh, uh, what is he going to say? What is his excuse going to be? There is no excuse for that. The only excuse is we're in power now and we're going to do what we want. That's it. (laughs) That's the only, honestly, that's the, probably the, the one excuse they're going to have is it's different this time. Obama was based on what was an, uh, oligarch or something like oh, that. Oh well, or, which is yeah. absurd. Yeah, uh, absolutely absurd. And and I heard on these these shows last night, the nine months or whatever it was, four hundred days or whatever it was that they held open this Supreme Court seat in two thousand sixteen was the longest they'd ever done it since the eighteen sixties. It had never been held a seat open vacant that long since the eighteen sixties. And what does that tell you? <laughs> I mean, they just did it to be contrary because they didn't like Obama and they just wanted to be ornery. You know, I mean, it's just, but I am, I am forcing myself to stay positive and not go there and decide. Thank, thank you, Lisa McCloskey, Mikowski, Susan Collins, Mitt Romney, and I think the other one, Chuck Schumer, or somebody else. No, oh, Grassley, I think it was Grassley, who are the four that have already, Republicans have already said, we will not 
vote, go ahead and vote uh, for a Supreme Court justice. Too, it's too short a time. I'm hoping some others come out. I'm hoping some others have the guts to say this is not right. No, I definitely agree with that, that we need to get to a point where we we can have like Republicans or people like that who understand that, hey, maybe it's maybe it's not about party or politics. It's about respecting the American public. You think? And maybe. <laughs> I, I love that. Uh-huh. The, the thing would be that it's it should be about letting the people decide that. Absolutely. I mean, I think I think most people kind of understood the logic behind um, the Obama idea, which is, oh, well, we're going through an election. Let's wait until things kind of cool down a bit. But that we put nine months. They weren't even close to the election. Now it's 45 days. So how? Yeah. If that's your logic, if that really, really was the logic behind, then there was, should be no question that now you don't want to do it now. 45 days? There's too, the country is burning. People are dying of a virus. The p- racial unrest, pre- protests, the half the country is on fire. You know, there's other things to focus on than rushing a Supreme Court justice through. I'm sorry. No, yeah. No, I definitely agree with that. I, def- I think the most, Im- the most important thing is to... I don't know. Like, that's the thing. It's really difficult to say because, like, when it comes to, like, the Supreme Court justice, I don't know what we can do about that. You know what I mean? Like, I I feel, like, a little powerless because I want to protest and I want to make sure people, like, I I want to send a message out to Mitch McConnell and those people Mm -hmm. people not to do that, not to do all that. But it's so confusing because the public has very little say in the Supreme Court justices. Yeah. Well, I guess you could call call the office, send letters, emails away. Yeah, our, really our only hope, I think, at this point is to pray that some more Republicans do the right thing. Yeah. That, that that's We just got to pray for that. And yeah. I am I am envisioning, envisioning that, <laughs> and I'm envisioning Joe Biden winning the election because I have to go there. I have to stay. That's the only way I can stay positive is envision that that's what's going to happen. No. You know, I have to. And also hope that Democrats are a little bit more willing to, I'm going to say, be a little bit more fear, firm against this. Oh, yeah. We got, they got to st- fight, 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 fight. fight. Yeah. And the thing would be also, I'm trying to think, um, the thing, I'm trying to think, I don't want another Brent Kavanaugh situation where, where it seems like, for me at least, I don't know if you felt this, that I did not want Brent Kavanaugh. And for me... me. I felt like, oh, there's a pretty good chance that all this, all these accusations and everything are they they're pretty clear. It's pretty cut and dry, and then he gets confirmed anyway. Yeah. So I felt powerless ever since that, and I was hoping that Ruth Bader Ginsburg would stay as long as she could, and but that poor and that poor woman should have had a retirement. Yeah, she, yeah, she, yeah, but she and she stayed her work ethic. People said her work ethic. She, she, she came. She. Uh, issued a decision the day after her husband died her husband died at home she was at work the next day rendering an opinion she had lung cancer colon cancer i mean she had every cancer there was and was never i think never missed a day of work except maybe once when she had a surgery or something but her work ethic was amazing and she just was strong and fought and fought and fought and fought because she knew she knew how important this was and she tried boy she tried as hard as she could to stick around but like i said before we came on the air um i read on facebook that because she was jewish and i don't know is it rosh hashanah I forgive my ignorance. I know there's a Jewish holiday going on right now. <laughs> I think that's it. That the she died the eve of that, and that there's some old belief that a Jewish person who dies then is going to bring in is very special. First of all, and it's going to bring in new understanding. And so I'm 
got my fingers crossed that that's what and, happens. And like I said to you, she's a very special person, mm -hmm. very wonderful, special person. And some other facts about her would include that she was the first Supreme Court justice to officiate a gay marriage. Love that. And she was the, f and she was top of her class over in. Harvard. And she couldn't get a job after she graduated That's from law true. school because she was a woman. Nobody wanted to hire her. And so a lot of her cases were ACLU, very um, <coughs> just, uh, civil rights cases, which at the time, they're not going to, like, I don't know if they're even seen today, perceived today as being worthwhile cases. I mean, they're perceived as cases that don't make money. Mm -hmm. They're cases of, well, you know, no one else wants to do it, so go so ahead and do it. Right. You know? And she managed, she honestly managed to do that so well. Mm -hmm. And and the fact is, too, is that she, for those who, there's some confusion, she is the second woman. Yeah, but first Supreme Jewish woman. First Jewish first woman. First Jewish woman, of course, of course. Yeah. And the thing about Ginsburg is that she actually gained a lot of respect from conservatives over her time. And, you know, maybe not right now, of course, but <laughs> like. You know, one of my favorite quotes of hers, uh, I love, someone asked her once, when will there be enough women on the Supreme Court? And she said, when there are nine. And I love uh, that. Great I quote. Rest in peace, Ruth. We miss you, and we're keeping our fingers crossed Republicans will do the right thing. We're going to be back with Tom McMorris in just a minute on The Culture Corner. listening to Bonnie Gilgallen and Brian Mendoza talking arts and entertainment on iHub Radio's The Culture Corner. Here are Bonnie and Brian. And welcome back to The Culture Corner. I'm Bonnie Gilgallen here with Brian Mendoza. And on the phone, we have Tom McMorris, who is a buddy of mine, a wonderful cabaret singer. I've done a couple shows with him at Frankie's, Frankie's Old World Italian Bakery and Supper Club. And he is doing a live stream tonight. Um, hey, Tom, how are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. Yeah, the last time I was actually on a stage was with you at the the uh, Valentine's Day show, so it's been a while. That was so much fun. Yeah, we did that uh, rock and roll Valentine's yeah. show. So tell us about, do you have a theme tonight? Tell us about how you picked the songs. Well, you know, I have a very loose theme. I'm doing all love songs, kind of classic love songs. Um, things like They All Laughed by the Gershwins and But Beautiful, mm -hmm. um, L-O-V-E, Love, Zing Went to Strings of My Heart, Don't Get Around Much Anymore. Great. Some, um, some uh, standards for, for the uh, people. Okay. And now I saw, Tom did a wonderful one-man cabaret show back before the virus uh, called, I think it was Teach Me Tonight, and you're a former teacher, correct? Yes, I taught here in the Valley. I taught in Desert Hot Springs, second grade, and um, I, I, I've taught in Chicago, around the country, about 25 years. I retired, and I've been lucky enough to get some singing gigs and kind of enjoy this hobby that I've had. And um, tell me, so did you sing when you were younger? Has that always been a hobby? Did you sing professionally before you started teaching, or how did that evolve? 
I did do shows. My mom was a dance teacher, and so I grew up uh, tap dancing mostly. I did not start singing until I moved to Chicago after high school and started doing, um, you know, uh, chorus boy work. <laughs> I didn't, um, I, I didn't focus much on my voice though until I moved to Palm Springs. Mm-hmm. And really fell into a great group of people, and and um, things just kind of progressed. I've, it, it's been a, a fun journey. And uh, so, w- how would you describe your style, your singing style? I, you know, I think of myself as a, a jazz singer. I guess I, um, I I I like to do standards. I like to do love songs, but I do like to swing them. I like to try to find new ways of uh, approaching a lyric and approaching the the melody um so uh, yeah i guess a jazz singer <laughs> okay and um uh do you do you do you study uh, do you study with anyone or are you somebody that that sings a little bit every day i know it's good to keep, stay warmed up i'm a singer also but um i don't sing every oh, day but so do you do yeah, you, have a... you know i'm i do i sing i i i do sing pretty much um every week i wouldn't say every day mm-hmm. i was studying you know the wonderful Lori donato who we lost last year yes she was my uh my my coach and my mentor and really um uh helped me find my voice um i have not i've not been working with anyone i did work a little bit with jerome elliott when mm-hmm. we did um we're getting ready for my show he stepped in and gave me some pointers but um kind of on my own right now and so who do you who do you listen to who do you think of as your influences as far as singers well i love um i love sinatra of course and mel torme um bobby darren but i have to say my very favorite singer my favorite vocalist is sammy davis jr his um his styling his um way with the lyric just speaks to me i was lucky enough to get to see him uh do stop the world i want to get off when i was still in high school Uh and it just moved me one of the one of the most uh, moving nights of theater i've ever been at yeah, he and he had some pipes. I was lucky enough to see him. I saw him at the Kennedy Center years and years ago when I was a kid with my parents, and oh, he was nice. phenomenal. I mean, we were way, way, we were way up on the balcony. We were far away, but and he did Mr. Bojangles, and he it was just oh. what an amazing performer he was. My yeah. goodness. Oh yeah. So yeah. T- tell me, uh, the ne- once the virus is gone, once we're all back opened up again, I'm sure you have. Do you have another big cabaret, one man cabaret show in your head that you're kind of working on? You know. You know, I actually do, believe it or not. I have been working on a show that um, I'm calling P.S. I Love You, mm-hmm. um, The Observations of a Nosy Postman. Ah, that is the, <laughs> I love that. the working title right now. Uh, but um, so I've been, been gathering songs. I'm trying to sing a lot of new things. And um, I've talked to Joel Baker a little bit, mm-hmm. who is my pianist this evening. He's wonderful. And he's, um, He's wonderful, and I'm hoping he'll be my musical director for this show. Excellent. So how can people watch? Remind them how they can watch tonight. They need to get to Frankie's website, which is um, uh, Frankie, uh, WW, uh, oh my gosh, I'm not sure of the, the, the website but address. I think you can but go to hit the Frankie's Facebook page also. Frankie's, I believe, has yeah, a Facebook page. Yeah, you go to Frankie's page, Facebook page, or if you're not a friend of Frankie yet on Facebook, go um, and Google Frankie's Cathedral City, and it'll come up. Um, you go there, you friend them, and then you can watch. It'll be showing 
um, this evening at 5 o'clock. 5 o'clock. And it's, it's about 20 minutes, 25 minutes, something like that? Yeah, about 25 minutes. Five songs and a little patter. And, and um, you know, I talk a bit about Project Bread for Musicians, which we're, we're, we're um, performing for. Yeah. Uh, and that's if you come and, by Frankie's uh, and, and bring a gift card or some money, it helps the local musicians, and then you get, they get a free loaf of bread, right? Right, they do. And it really is helping out local musicians who are having a hard time yeah. um, with so many gigs being canceled and right. venues shut down. Yeah. Well, Tom, break a leg tonight. I'll, t- I'll be watching oh, Tom McMorris on the Frankie's Facebook page or website. He's wonderful. Check him out. Live stream. Uh, have a great show tonight. Thank you. And we'll be Thank right back. Thank you so much. You're welcome. We'll be back on The Culture Corner. The curtain rises on local and regional arts and entertainment. From music to theater, films to fine art, it's The Culture Corner. Get connected. Call 760-544-TALK. That's 760-544-8255. Here's Bonnie and Brian on iHub Radio. Hey, welcome back to The Culture Corner. This is Brian. Hey, and Bonnie. Bonnie. <laughs> so you tell us tell us about who we have next and what's we coming. have Annie Hockenauer. She is a representative over at the Transgender Health and Wellness Center over in Cathedral City and they've just opened up a new uh, office in Riverside. How are you doing, Annie? Can you hear us? Hi. Yes, I yeah. I'm doing <laughs> fine. Thank you for having me on your show. Thank you for being here. So set up the set up the store what we're talking about, Brian. So it, a lot of people are familiar with the name J.K. Rowling, right? So un- uh, now at, this is a case where unfortunately we're familiar with that. Harry, a Harry Potter book. She's made <laughs> yeah. a fortune. Yeah, okay. Harry Potter books. And she's also <laughs> written books under the name Robert Galbraith under a male pseudonym, which is interesting because in the 90s she used to complain about people confusing her for a male writer. And, and actually a publisher told her that if people thought that um, – if a man wrote the book, Harry Potter... They'd be more likely to buy it. Yeah, and now she's using a male pseudonym because she wanted to test the waters if that was true. And now she writes it under that name. So, interesting. But we'll leave it at that. But over the last couple months and years, actually, J.K. Rowling has received a lot of... has received a lot of, in my opinion... Criticism. Criticism, and rightfully so, So. for for very anti-trans comments and... She has recently written a book called Troubled Blood under Robert Galibrath, where she writes about a, uh, this is a quote, quote unquote transvestite killer, which, by the way, for anyone who doesn't know, transvestite and transgender are not interchangeable words. They're not the same. Exactly. So I wanted to get some thoughts from uh, from you, Annie, on the J.K. Rowling situation. What, What do you think this situation means for the trans community and the and their allies um well i think it's just awful um it's it's very dangerous um because she's such a popular author and she's come out with all this transphobia and it's dangerous especially because some of the things she's saying which is women won't be 
protected um, in bathrooms and things like that. And it's already really, really difficult for uh, trans people to feel comfortable uh, in public using bathrooms. Um, and this just makes it even more uh, dangerous uh, for them. So that's, that's my take on it. I would, would you also say that this specific, now there's, I, I don't know if you've ever seen Good Morning Britain. Are you familiar with that show? No, I'm not. So on Good Morning Britain, they had a discussion which I thought was not constructive at all. I thought it was very bad. Um, but in one of the parts of it was that Piers Morgan said that if the killer in the story is not specifically a trans woman, how is this harmful to trans people? Now, would you say that the book perpetuates a <laughs> stereotype in which a Buffalo Bill type stereotype or even though... yeah. Yeah, it's just the it's a the trope. It's an anti-trans trope that has been around for decades, and uh, it's really aimed at uh, like um, my gender identity, which is uh, trans women. And it, there's this idea that you know men are going to because the culture is now more accepting of trans people that men are going to take advantage of that and put a dress on and, and go around and kill people <laughs> because they can get into, you know, uh, uh, female spaces. <clears throat> and that, that, that trope is just so ugly and so wrong. I just, I, you know, it's unbelievable that she has uh, taken this position, you know, and, JK, and- so... Go ahead. Annie, hi, this is Bonnie. I have a question for you. Do you think this is just her comments and people who come up with this kind of stuff? Do you think basically it's just all based on fear, fear of the unknown? Or what do you think is the origin of this kind of attitude? Well, I just don't know. I mean, that it raises all sorts of questions, you know, psychological questions of why a particular person would uh, pick out a, a very small group of people and uh hate on that group if you will um and so i don't know if there's an easy answer here Mm -hmm. um i think that that because there has been more trans uh, visibility in recent years i think that has created this backlash Mm and and so you know when it comes to rolling i, I have no idea what, why she would do that you know there are other people they they might have motives of yeah of you know uh being part of a group or uh you know trying to make money off of it like that one abigail schreier's book about the craze transgender craze <laughs> and so i know i you know it's 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 hard to fathom especially Rowling and her her beautiful writing, her beautiful books, that she's now carved out this position for herself is just, it's hard to fathom yeah, why you, that is. And I think a lot of her readers um, think that, you know? Yeah, I think she's going to, she's hurting herself, I think. She's going to damage her career. And it's like, why doesn't she just keep quiet? If that's what she thinks, I think she should just keep quiet about it, frankly. Yeah, right. You know? Exactly. <laughs> and for me, like, it's especially harmful because she has so much power in the TERF community, which for those who don't know, the TERF community is a trans-exclusionary radical feminist, which, by the way, for me, if you're a feminist, you shouldn't exclude trans women. Trans women are women, you mm-hmm. know, like, that's the thing. Right. And 
the thing about her is that she has all this power and stuff and she makes so much money off of books and all that her robert galbraith books when it was revealed that she was the writer they sold 500 percent more wow and yeah and the fact is that her books the harry potter books talked about prejudice and not harming people and like and so some people have said she went from being hermione to being Dolores Umbridge, and I think at this point you can say she's a Voldemort. <laughs> oh, she's very hypocritical, right. yeah. And so for right. me, like, I was going to ask, um, have you heard, uh, for those of you who don't know the, um, what's her, uh, Annie, I think you said her name, the woman who wrote the... the, the yeah, the Abigail Schreier, yes. For those who don't know... Irreversible damage, the transgender craze seducing our daughters. Is that what you're talking about? Oh, for about? God's yes. sake. So... <laughs> Like without getting too I know, much into the title alone. I know that's enough. That's all I need. I don't want to hear it. Yeah, I don't want to read it. So for those of you who don't know, the book itself had a, also had a lot of controversy because she, you can tell what the book is about by the title. Absolutely. But she, right. this woman right. tricked a trans YouTuber named Chase Ross into doing an interview with her and twisted his words. And he, right. and I think that was a terrible situation. And honestly, like, like that's that's one and honestly i went to barnes and noble and i wanted to take a look at the book and like i looked at a couple of things and i realized that it's a waste of time to yeah. even try to seek out right. like, don't don't spend yeah. money on this yeah. i mean you you can hear this rhetoric it's a worse version of the rhetoric on i'm gonna be honest like fox news or something like that mm-hmm. and, right and so honestly i wanted to ask you what are some what is about specifically because i think we should talk about the transgender health and wellness center now what are some resources that are going on right now in spite of covid i know you we i know when i used to volunteer there and i used to um go there there was trans mondays um there was (laughs) bongo johnny mondays and stuff like that right so what's going on what are some ways we can help out the trans community at the well the well the the pandemic has uh limited our public gatherings and so we used to have AA meetings and social meetings at the center and and we don't now because of the pandemic and hopefully that will change. Um, The main thing that we do is we offer a safe space for trans people and uh, we're still offering mental health counseling and name change counseling and uh, uh, job counseling will help trans people uh, prepare uh, re- resumes. We're still doing uh, hair removal, which is vitally important for uh, trans women. And, and one thing that we do that maybe some other places don't do is we uh, navigate insurance with uh, uh, trans women. So the insurance companies will you know, pay at least for part of it. And uh, yeah, and so we, you know, refer to um, uh, trans people to medical care, of course, and we offer, we're still offering emergency assistance um, to people that just show up um, and we have clothes and food and, and all that. Do you think that despite, in spite of J.K. Rowling and other crazed yeah. people like her and then that kind of attitude, other than that, do you feel like 
uh, there's been progress, a little bit of progress in acceptance of, uh, you know, I was telling Brian before, I don't care who anybody loves and who anybody has in their bedroom. It doesn't affect me. And it's like, live and let live for God's sake. But do you feel like there's been more uh, acceptance or not lately? Yeah, I I think there has. If you if you take a longer view, like a mm-hmm. five-year view, I think there's a, a lot more uh, trans visibility, and I think there is a, a lot more uh, acceptance. Um, I don't, um, I, but again, as I mentioned before, I think along with that has come, you know, a vocal uh, backlash. Yeah. And, yeah, and so I see that. And um, we just did a survey. This is important to know. We just did a survey at the center uh, of 109 uh, transgender people, and 80 um, over 80 percent of the respondents um, have had suicidal thoughts, and 52 uh, percent of the respondents had uh, attempted suicide. So I think the trans community uh, is still struggling um, uh, with mental health issues, and I don't think those have been. Uh, appropriately um, addressed, uh, but yeah, I'd say overall, you know, it's it's safer to be trans than it was five years ago. <laughs> you know, have you seen Disclosure? The, yes, I have. What are your thoughts on that one? Because I thought it was such a wonderful documentary. What What are your thoughts on that documentary? Yeah, it was it was uh, lovely again, and then it's part of uh, you know being visible. Uh, which I think is just so important for trans people just to be seen going about, um, you know, uh, regular lives. So in that way, it was really good. And uh, the, the other way where it, it shows disclosure showed a lot of uh, depictions, these awful depictions of trans people. Uh, <laughs> and I just I had to- totally forgotten about the uh, movie The Crying Game. Oh, yeah, where, I remember that. Wow. Yeah, where the one scene where the guy has kissed the trans girl or whatever, and he uh, he has to shower and throw up yeah. and all that. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and, yeah, and so, uh, and I had forgotten about all that, you know, just how, you know, trans people throughout the years have been, you know, depicted in these awful ways. And obviously, yeah. I think that that is changing. You know, I hate to cut you off, but we're ending our segment. But what is the best possible okay. way for us to uh, reach a trans center? Would be the website or the Facebook page? Where, what would be the best possible? Yeah, way? I think that the website would be the the best place to go to Transgender Health and Wellness Center in Cathedral City, and all of our contact information is there and a list of services and and uh, yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us. You're re- really you. enlightening. Appreciate it. Thank All right. You. Thank you. We'll right. be back. Thanks for having me on. We'll be back Bye. in the Culture Corner in just a minute. You're listening to Bonnie Gilgallen and Brian Mendoza talking arts and entertainment on iHub Radio's The Culture Corner. Live from the desert cities of Southern California, here's Brian and Bonnie. 
And we are back on the Culture Corner, and we're going to talk a little bit about news. And I thought, uh, coming out of the segment we just did, that I wanted to touch first on, uh, Brian has all these great news uh, stories for us. Saturday Night Live has hired its first out black lesbian cast member, and I think that's fabulous. Oh, it really is, honestly, Bonnie. Um, So for the 46th season of SNL, which is going to premiere on October 3rd, it will include our first black openly out cast member and her name is punky johnson that's a great i name. love that yeah that's cute <laughs> that's yeah. such a great name um she calls herself a brutally honest southern lesbian she is a new orleans native and she is considered a triple threat because she does stand-up comedy she can act and she can write all right now she was she actually performed pretty regularly on the at the comedy store in Los Angeles and was actually one considered a new face at the just for last festival in Montreal, uh, Montreal. Okay. And so she has appeared in a couple TV shows, um, and web series and short films, including the TV show space force, which is on Netflix. Now the show itself has mixed reception, but mm-hmm. you know, that's still something, you know, so, yeah. you still did she has some, some credits. Yeah. That's yeah. some credits right there. And I would also say that, that, Whatever you got to do to expose yourself, you got whatever you got to do. You know, um, she she also had a role in the movie The Ride. I haven't seen that movie, but it has premiered at the Sundance Film the Festival. The Ride, R I D E. Yeah, R I D. I'm not familiar with that. Yeah, me neither. I'm trying to figure yeah. out what that movie is, and it, but it was at Sundance, and she also played a lesbian bar patron in the in a skit called The Dance Biter over at a black lady sketch show, which is a sketch show over at HBO that tries to give like black voices mm-hmm. and a, a real Good. chance. And she has often considered herself like she actually called herself once a child with adult bills. And <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love a child with adult bills. I'm going to have to remember that. That's great. <laughs> and she's going to, and the thing would be that apparently she, while she will be the first out black lesbian performer she is not the first. It was Denitra Vance who was on the show in 1985 and 1986. I remember that, yeah. And she, you know, but nobody knew she was out at the time. Mm-hmm. And I don't think she was, I don't think she was one of the ones people speculated about. I think people just, she just didn't tell anybody. Well, that was a while ago. So you know, things have changed. You know, uh, outlooks have changed a lot. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think she would have been, I think she would be an out lesbian today now, if she wanted. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing would be that she, uh, and Kate McKinnon is actually the first out lesbian just in general, too. I think she's hilarious. I love her. Yeah. Now, that's someone who, when she came into SNL, that, that's a, that's somebody that actually made SNL worthwhile again. Yeah. She, she was, she's very talented. Yeah. I, my favorite my favorite character of hers is Hillary Clinton. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> it makes you kind of wish things went a certain way because she would have had a bigger role. But. Yeah. Not, not, not too much funny <laughs> about the White House anymore. <laughs> not really funny. Yeah. yeah. And so the thing would be that uh, also we must also include Denny Dillon, who was on the show for one season in the 80s. Um, overall, she might have actually been considered the first overall queer woman, but she didn't actually come out until way later so mm-hmm. i think that denny Dillon is the first overall lesbian woman and then kate mckinnon was the first out woman mm-hmm. and demetra denitra vance was the first black lesbian but mm-hmm. she was not out now punky johnson's mm-hmm. first out all the way out yeah so it's like we got to make all these accomplishments distinguishable <laughs> and it's like step step by step by step, step. by step by step and you know uh the other cast members are lauren holt a actor, comedian, singer, and improviser, and 
Andrew Dismox, who has been an SNL staff member since season 43. So there's a couple new people coming on, but I think Punky Johnson is the one that has the most... Um, potential, potential to really yeah stick out and yeah. all that and so he's already on a sketch show so I, i'm thinking well you know this isn't a bad place to end up at yeah absolutely let's uh, i also want to talk about carol baskin on, <laughs> on dancing with the stars first of all um i am not watching dancing with the stars anymore i'm never going to watch it again and i was in the beginning i watched every season fall spring every night and i'd hated to miss it i loved it Frankly, I, and I'm not alone, think they made a big mistake getting rid of Tom Bergeron and Aaron Andrews. I thought they did fabulous. Tom was perfect for that for that job. And a lot of people are upset. And I have nothing against Tyra Banks. I happen to like Tyra Banks, but they should have left it alone. I think it was fine. And Carol Baskin, I, I was one, again, one of the few people I didn't watch one second of The Tiger King. <laughs> However, there was a Dateline episode not too long ago about... Carol Baskin and the whole story and then did she kill her husband which I think she did um, I think she's nuts and um, Brian just showed me on his phone a little snippet of her dance with, and, which I thought was awful and she's wooden and terrible so I you know thumbs down all the way around from me <laughs> you know Carol Baskin got the lowest score of the night and when you watch her actual dance on there you can see why you can yeah. oh yeah like I was trying to give the woman a chance because I thought oh maybe she'll end up like that grandmother that dances at the <laughs> the weddings that gets a little too drunk and, yeah yeah and i guess this time it, she really did dance like that but it's the worst possible version of that yeah. dance and carol baskin you know her whole dance was tiger theme it was so tacky 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 overdone and it's like okay well let's 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 not do this ever again let's I, not make any more. and she said she's doing it for charity which i'm like Really? What charity? She could have done something else for charity. <laughs> and, you know, and I just, it's really just, and it's not, you know, it, it's te- it's Hollywood, it's television, and that's what they do. But, I mean, obviously they put her on there for ratings. But, you know, I wish they would have just some kind of line that they wouldn't cross as far as being tacky just to have some <laughs> controversial person on who might bring ratings. You know, that, you know, have some, I think it's, have some class, oh, you know. Yeah. And for those of, and the reason why I bring it up too is that in some Florida markets, some Florida markets, because I don't think it was nationwide, Carol Baskin's husband's family, Don Lewis's family, they actually released a commercial during the thing, during the day, after her dance, specifically after her dance, mm-hmm. that pleads for the audience to give tips if anything bad, yeah. if they know anything about Because they her. never found him, never found his body, just vanished. And they um, specifically say, uh, if you know if Carol Baskin was involved and I was like please oh. call police yeah well good for them I don't blame them and she yeah I just ugh, ugh, I just think the whole thing so I, I am not turning on one second of that <laughs> so um, I hope they, their ratings tank and they cancel the show you know when I did flicks and picks I did give the, the miniseries four out of four stars because I did think that it was, was it well done I don't know I think it was well done it was very extensive and I think as a piece it works but I think in hindsight it could also just be what I like to call pandemic syndrome which is a piece of art will seem a little bit better because, because you got nothing else to do and you're <laughs> stuck in your house yeah and yeah. so for me I'm thinking maybe I did actually just feel a little depressed and I wanted to see even worse people you know on the yeah TV. it's you always feel better when you see someone worse off than you it's <laughs> terrible to say but it's human nature but anyway and that's the thing is you know if you're curious watch Dancing with the Stars performance it's bad but you know I mean if you need a laugh and you need to feel a little bit better about your own dancing yeah maybe that maybe then yeah place. 
All right, we're going to come back with us our second hour of the Culture Corner in just a little bit. We've got Anita Rose and a lot of good stuff coming up. So I'm here with Brian Mendoza. We'll see you in just a couple minutes.